you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Acts chapter 4. We will begin our study there in just a moment. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 32. It is so great to see so many brothers and sisters in Christ here with us again as we continue to worship our Father in heaven. To those who are visiting, thank you for being here. If you have Bible questions, we'll be more than happy to study the Word of God with you. It's amazing how fast the morning goes. The Sunday mornings always go fast for me. Uh, even though there's a lot of things that are going on, but it's always so refreshing to be here together with the people of God. One heart, one soul. That's our theme for 2020. And we're going to be talking about something this morning, which is really going to be the foundation of this, I think, theme, one heart, one soul. If you were not here this morning at nine o'clock, we began a special series of lessons uh, that the elders have requested um, Christians in the election year. And so we talked about some things that I think are good for us with respect to having a nice little foundation as we go into 2020. Uh, You know, I was thinking here recently, at the end of this month, I and Nikki and Josh, it will be two years since we uh, moved to West Maine. And Nikki and I and Josh, we are extremely blessed to be here. I hope you guys all know that we love you very much. And we appreciate you, your one heart, your one soul as well, as we strive to make heaven our home. And so uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm striving to encourage you along the way. I know you guys are doing the same. There's something else I've been thinking about as well that I think is good for us as a congregation to consider. And that is, as you know, our worship services begin at 9 o'clock. And one of the things I want to really encourage you, really impress upon you, is to really have all the family here at all the services. Each Sunday is a blessing, and I think you would agree with that. And every worship service that we have, it's another opportunity to encourage one another and to assist one another. And I want you just to think about sermons that our elders have requested for me to preach. These are important for all of us. And Lord willing, I'm going to be doing more sermons looking at um, suggestions from the surveys. So some of those are going to take place in the 9 o'clock hour as well. There's a passage that I love. I put it in the bulletin, and this is all designed just to encourage. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the saints were doing a great job in their walk with Christ, and yet Paul would tell them, excel still more. And I believe we can increase our effort even more to having all the families here at all the worship services. So I want to encourage you to keep that in mind as we gather together each Sunday morning. Let's be here for all the worship services, and let's encourage one another. I take great encouragement from seeing you here, and I hope you do the same as well, seeing everyone else here each Sunday. So let's strive for excellence. Let's strive to increase our effort anymore. Let's make preparations for next Sunday to be here all together at 9 o'clock. Well, it is something that is old and something that is new. It is something that must grow inside of you, and it's something that all of us have to do. And maybe you're wondering what I'm talking about. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. What we're going to be talking about is something that is required for every Christian. What we find in the first century church is that the saints had this quality. They had this disposition. If you recall, our theme for 2020 is one heart, one soul. And I asked you to turn over to Acts chapter 4. I asked you to do that, and I actually wasn't even over there. But in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 32, I want to read this. Each uh, first Sunday of the month, I know this is the second Sunday because I wasn't here last Sunday, but I'm going to do a sermon really geared towards this theme. 
The Bible says, in the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. Isn't that a powerful thought? That they were one heart, one soul, the entire congregation. There was this close-knit family. That's what the church was in the first century. They loved one another. They encouraged one another. And they were certainly there for one another. And our study this morning is one that's going to be critical for us if we are going to be a family. In our one another passages, a Bible class, we talked about admonishing one another. That's something that all of us, that's, that's something we're going to have to do from time to time. And yet there's something very important if that is ever really going to happen. There has to be something else within our relationship. Our study is going to come from 1 John. If you have your Bible, turn over to 1 John, please. And I wanted to begin in just chapter 1 and kind of walk her way. We're going to really focus more on a few verses in chapter 2. John, this is the Apostle John writing to saints. He's going to remind them in the first section of 1 John about uh, what he saw and what he uh, did with Christ along with the other apostles and the impact of that and the importance of that to the saints. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 1, John said, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. He's talking about Jesus. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. As John spoke about Christ and who he was and and what he did, he talked about fellowship. Fellowship in chapter 1 is mentioned four times in this small little chapter. And what John is going to do, he's going to remind the brethren about the fellowship that they have with one another. The fellowship that they have with Christ. And this idea of fellowship is not just some mere feeling, but rather a relationship where one knows and does the will of God. In fact, when you look at 1 John, John emphasizes a great deal of keeping the commandments of God, following and doing the word of God. You look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, he said, This is a message we have heard from him. And announce to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and this is a common pattern and theme that we find in this small letter. If we say, if this is what we're claiming to be, then John's going to typically follow it up with something else. If we say this to be the case, then this also should be the case. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say, there it is again, that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. In chapter 2, he's going to emphasize more about what Christ has done, not just for them, but obviously for all of us as well. He said, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone sin, or if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours, but also for those of the whole world, reminding them of what it was that Jesus had done for them. 
By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. This idea of knowing him and abiding in him is found all throughout this letter. This idea of truly knowing who he is. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. You know, many in our world today want to kind of downplay the emphasis of keeping the commandments of God. But keeping the commandments of God have always been important. And the idea of trying to suppress or to push or to say, well, not keeping the commandments of God, we don't need to focus so much upon that. Well, I'd just say read 1 John. Because he said, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Then he said, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. It's this idea of if we say this, if we're claiming to be one thing, then it should be apparent in the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that we walk. But verse 5, whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, that's the way that John would refer to the saints in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John Clearly, he had a relationship with them, and clearly, he loved them. I, I mentioned earlier, it's something that's old and new and something that must grow inside of you. Now we find out, or we start to see this kind of language in verse 7. He said, Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is a word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him, and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. I want to emphasize this idea of this new commandment. What exactly was the old, and what exactly is the new, and, and, and what is the benefit of us knowing this as well? Well, when you look at First John chapter 2, John's been emphasizing about the keeping the commandments of God. And he said again in verse 7, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. It was something that they had heard from the beginning of their walk with Christ. The old commandment is a word which you have heard, but then he says, on the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. As you keep on reading, you begin to see some clues and then in chapter 3 becomes even more apparent. In verse number 9 of chapter 2, he said, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So now John is talking about hatred and hatred towards your brother or sister in Christ. Then he said in verse 10, the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. So John is beginning to make this contrast between what? Hatred and love. He's making this contrast here between hatred and love. Those who have fellowship with Christ, if we really have fellowship with Christ, we're not going to hate our brother. But rather, we are going to love our brother in Christ. And the one who says that he loves his brother while hating him, that person is still in darkness. Later on in chapter 3, as John reminded the saints in chapter 3 about what it was that Jesus had done for them in chapter 3, I want you to notice what he says beginning in verse number 10. In 1 John chapter 3 and beginning in verse number 10, he said, By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. And John does this quite a bit in this letter. He makes clear distinctions between light and darkness, children of God, children of the devil, what fellowship truly looks like, truth, lies, truth, error. He does this all throughout this letter. By this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, 
nor the one who does not love his brother. So he's emphasizing love again. Then he says, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. So we know something about Cain. He didn't love his brother. And he's using him as an example. Not as Cain, who, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So as you think about this old commandment and this new commandment, what John is emphasizing in this letter is that the emphasis is upon loving one another. And he emphasizes this throughout the entire five chapters. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 21, he said, In this commandment we have heard from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. This is something that he's going to be pushing time and time again. In fact, as I talked about in the Lord's Supper, love is just a heavy emphasis in this entire letter. John is emphasizing how if we truly are in Jesus Christ, then truly that should have an impact upon our relationship with one another, that we should love one another, that our example and that the one that this all begins with is God in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 8, he said, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's just who he is. That's just part of who he is. He, he is love, and everything about him is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. God is love, and he has shown his love to the entire world by sending his Son. You see, John is going to emphasize over and over again this idea of love and keeping God's commandments and doing what is right in his sight and loving brothers and sisters a proper way. And he also emphasizes even things not to love. If you go back to 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, he makes it very clear. He says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So he gives them guidelines with that as well. Here's where your love needs to be focused. But here's what you need to avoid when it comes to loving. You don't love the things of the world, the lust of the flesh and the, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. If you turn over to 2 John real quickly, John is going to emphasize this same idea as well. In 2 John in verse number 5, and I love hearing how the pages turn, how we're all studying the word of God together. In 2 John in verse 5, he said, Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which you have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Think about that. So he adds another dimension about what love is going to look like as well. If we love God, then we're also going to love his commandments. If we love God, then we're also going to follow and abide in his footsteps as well. I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which you have had from the beginning, that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Isn't that powerful? about the impact God's love should have upon us, even the way we view his word, that we view it with the proper perspective, and that in all things we're motivated by love. What we find is that when it comes to this idea of one heart, one soul, love is going to be at the foundation of all of this. This is just who we are supposed to be. We are to love one another. This was something that the apostles, or I'm sorry, that the disciples were hearing time and time again. Now, the question that some have, in what way is this commandment new? 
he goes back, if you go back to 1 John chapter uh, 2, go back there, please. The way that John describes it, he says, I'm not writing to you in verse 7 a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. And my understanding is that beginning is talking about the beginning of their walk with Christ, the beginning of them being a disciple of Jesus Christ, obeying the gospel. This was something that they had heard. The old commandment is a word which you have heard. On the other hand, so he, 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 changed. he says, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. We know that the concept of love has been around throughout ages, throughout the ages. You look over in Leviticus chapter 19, turn over there real quickly here in Leviticus chapter 19, and there's plenty of other examples that I could share with you in the Old Testament. In Leviticus chapter 19, uh, as the Lord spoke, as the Lord spoke to Moses in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18, he said, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. This idea of love has been around in the Old Testament, has been around from, really, you could say, from the very beginning. And yet, in a sense, there is, it is a new commandment. And I think what John is doing here, he's, he's emphasizing or rehearsing the words of Jesus. You turn over to John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, John was there with Jesus as Jesus spoke these words before he would die. John and the other apostles were there with Jesus, and Jesus is going to teach them about love. He's actually going to teach them a lot in this chapter in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, in verse number, in verse number 34, listen to what Jesus said here in John chapter 13, in verse number 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So John seems to be taking this language that Jesus used. Jesus told them to love one another. And when you study John chapter 13, and you could look at the entire ministry of Jesus, but when you study John chapter 13, we know that Jesus truly loved his disciples despite their flaws, despite the things that they did that he told them not to do. We know that he loved them. In John chapter 13 and verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. All throughout his time with them, it was very clear, and no doubt they would have understood this as well, the great love that he had for them. In John chapter 13 and verse number 38, actually look at verse number 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. That would happen. We know the rest of the story. And yet Jesus would still love Peter. He would still love the apostles who fled and who were hiding. He loved them through it all. And his love was seen with how he didn't give up on them. You look over in Mark chapter 16. After Jesus was risen from the grave in Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, he would give them their marching orders to go out into all the world. Now, he did have to rebuke them because of their unbelief. 
And he did have to correct them because of their hardness of heart. That's what we find in verse number 14. And he did that because they were getting ready to do and perform a very special mission. And because that was the right thing to do, he loved them. They needed to be corrected. But in verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. He still loved them, even despite the things that they had done, even despite when they didn't listen to him. And now he was encouraging them in John chapter 13. You go back there, he said, this is a new commandment I give to you. A new commandment I give to you. Let me just get back there in John chapter 13 and verse number 34. He said that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And so how was this a new commandment? Yes, they had heard about this idea of love. And yet we can say it was a new commandment in the sense that Jesus said, this is how you love even as I have loved you. And you can say that it was new with respect to motive and the example they were to follow. I think that's the idea of this new commandment of how they were to love. Jesus was to be that example. He was to be that model. They were to follow in his footsteps. It was going to be new with respect to motive and that example that they were to follow. And yet what is interesting about all of this is that they had heard this from the beginning. And yet isn't it interesting that John is still talking to them about love if this is something that they were familiar with and had heard quite a bit why the need to continue to talk about it why the need to continue to rehearse this idea of love why the need to continue to talk about the father who is love and to talk about jesus with what he has done and how he demonstrated his love it's because they needed to hear it it's the same for us This idea of one heart, one soul, I love that. One heart and soul. It's something that's easy to remember. I think it conveys a lot. But at times, it can be very very challenging. And love is going to have to be the foundation of all of this. And just as the disciples needed to be reminded that they were to, to love one another, that they were to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and their Heavenly Father, Brothers and sisters, don't you think we need to be reminded as well? It is something we we need to constantly hear. How we treat one another and how we are to love one another. And one of the things that John does, he didn't just say love one another. But he's actually going to show them some things that they needed to do. And isn't that what love is really all about? Where it's more than just saying I love you. That's really good. Sometimes people have a hard time even saying I love you. But it, it is more than just words. It is, something that is, it is something that must be put into action. It is something that must be applied. And that's why I, I shared those verses with you in 1 John, where, where John, back in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, he said, if we say, he would just do this throughout the book, if we say, then this should be the natural response. Uh, he, he would say in chapter 2 and verse 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So what John is emphasizing all throughout this letter, what I believe he's really emphasizing throughout this letter, he, he's saying actions speak louder than words. And doesn't he do that even with the father and with the son? And he talks so much about what God is. He is love. That's who he is. And yet he also reminded them, this is, this is how he's demonstrated this love. 
He sent his son in 1 John 3 and verse number 8. He said, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. He's going to emphasize this all throughout the book about Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made and how he is an advocate for us as his people. And so he didn't just merely talk about love, but he emphasized and he demonstrated even how the Father has shown love to all of the world. Actions speak louder than words. And we can say, I love you. But love is something that has to be demonstrated. John would say in 1 John chapter 3, in verse number 16, in 1 John 3 and verse 16, he said, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. There is another example. Let me show you what this love looks like and what it caused him to do. He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue or merely with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. There has to be action attached to it. There has to be things that are going to be done. And so I want to ask a question that I already know the answer to. Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? All of us, I think, are going to say yes. <coughs> the bigger question, though, how are we demonstrating that love for one another? How are we demonstrating that love for one another? Are we willing to forgive our brother or sister when they fall short and they confess and they repent? Are we truly willing to repent and to, or to forgive them? And are we really, really willing to go out of our way, chase after our brother and sister to help them when they have that time of need? John spoke about this idea, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? This is a heart issue at its core. It's a heart issue. And God the Father and God the Son should be the ones that, that motivate us. Jesus gave up everything. He laid down his life for us. And as we read First John, as you think about this book, John really challenges me. And I hope John challenges you as well. Because he's really asking us to really look inside our hearts and ask ourselves, are we liars and he just says that over and over again. You guys pick up on that? He said in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 19, he said, We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. John is asking us to really think about who we are in Jesus Christ. And this can be challenging at times. Because it really is a heart issue. Have you ever struggled with that? With loving your brother and sister in Christ? Hating your brother and sister? Or maybe strong feelings that can cause you to treat them in the way that is improper. A number of years ago, a sister told me how she was struggling with another sister in Christ. And she went on to say how she... She decided to take action on that and to mend that relationship. 
and to talk to them and try to acknowledge some things and and work on that relationship and, and get it to where it needed to be. And I commended her for doing that because I think one of the hardest things, we talked about this, or I, I kind of thought, I, I talked about it a little bit in my sermon about politics. Social media is just the worst place to talk, right? But that's the hard part because we have a hard time, and let me rephrase that, sometimes it can be possible to have a hard time to talk to one another. You ever struggle with that? To actually talk to one another. And yet that's what we find out throughout the word of God. Read Acts 15. There's a dispute about salvation. What do they do? They all come together and they listen and they talk and things they need to be reminded of, that's what, that's what happens. Or Matthew 18 that we talked about in our, in our Bible class about how we go to a brother or sister when we find or see a fault to help that person. I think this is one of the most challenging things for us to do. And while we may not necessarily hate our brother or sister, we can allow at times, if not careful, strong feelings and bitterness and, and things are really creeping the way of our relationship with where they really need to be. You ever struggled with that before? There's a reason why I think the Bible talks so much about bitterness. Listen, this happens in marriages. So Paul talked about, uh, right, in Colossians chapter 3. So it can definitely be a challenge for us. Love has to be the foundation of all that we do. And I will tell you, this is hard. And, and one of the things I have to do, I have to practice what I preach. There was a, a brother in Christ. Tim and I have known each other for a number of years. And our friendship has just kind of changed. And there's been some bitter feelings toward, I think, one another. Not, I, I think, I know. Because I've had them. And I've been upset with this guy. I've been angry with him, I think, for a long time. And so I finally decided, you know what, I, I do all these sermons. I, I, I should listen to some of the things or all the things that I'm, that I'm telling you guys to do. So I finally reached out to that brother. And I expressed my feelings. That's a hard thing for a guy to do at times. Maybe not for all guys, but for some of us that is. And I apologized for some things that I had done to him. And I sent him via email because he doesn't live here. And he sent me back a, a message. And I got to tell you, I felt like 10 pounds lighter. I felt so much better because it was something that I needed to address that I just hadn't addressed. And it was something that needed to be talked about. And I think I'm, I'm sharing this with you. I'm sharing this with you because at times talking to one another or when things get in the way of where our relationships need to be, it can be easy just to kind of push those things aside and never really address sometimes the heart of the issue. But love should be the motivating factor, whether it's correcting an issue with respect to sin, whether it's correcting or mending a relationship to the best of our ability. I know people are, are going to have to make a decision about how they're going to respond as well. And you can't force people to respond in a certain way, but we can still go over and beyond. Love is the foundation of all we do. And our love for one another is not to be shown merely here at the building. We're only here a short amount of time each week. A few hours, depending on how long I preach, uh, but no more than three hours max. We're only here a short amount of time. Our love has to be demonstrated all the time. Did you pick up with what Jesus said in John chapter 13? Did you pick up when he told them in John chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another? Did you hear what he said in verse 35? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples 
if you have love for one another. This is how powerful this is. How are people going to know who we are? It's not going to be based upon a political party, but it's going to be based upon our love for one another and our commandments, keeping the commandments of God and how we treat one another. It's to be manifested in a variety of ways. I want to conclude by just sharing a couple of things with you. We think about this idea of one heart and one soul. We turn over to Acts chapter 2. I appreciate your attention. In Acts chapter 2, I just want to read some passages to you. The way that we demonstrate this, brothers and sisters, is the same way the saints did in the first century. We see them having a relationship. We see them being considerate of one another. We see them being together and having all things in common, Acts 2 and verse 44. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. In Acts chapter 6, when there was a dispute that arose, and that will happen with a large number of people, there will be challenges that Christians will face with one another. But that doesn't mean that we just give up on one another. We resolve them the right way. And that's what we find when a complaint arose with the Hellenistic Jews in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, a solution was made. So the relationship would continue. And so that the work of God would continue. That's what we read about. And that's how we can demonstrate love for one another. In Acts chapter 9 and verse number 26 and verse number 27, we find Paul as he was trying to associate himself with the disciples. The Bible says when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas ran after his brother in Christ. And he was there for Paul when he really needed him to assist him and to encourage him while the others at that time were not willing to associate with him. And that's something that we can do as well, uh, support and encourage one another and even run after one another when time when that time may be needed. In Galatians chapter 2, this is another way that we demonstrate love for one another. Remember Paul? Paul is going to have a conversation with Peter about the hypocrisy that Peter had. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 11, Paul said, but when, or the Bible says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. And we know Paul did this with the right motives, with the right heart, with the right disposition. But see, that's what love will do. Paul was seeking to, to save his brother to the point that he was willing to help him and to talk to him about this problem because even men like Barnabas had been carried away. That's how we can demonstrate love to one another. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul reminds us here another way that we can demonstrate love for one another. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this brother, my understanding is this is a brother back in 1 Corinthians 5 who was uh, living a life of sexual immorality. This brother had repented. He had come back. And he said in verse 5, But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me in some degree in order to say not to say too much to all of you. Sufficient for such a one is the punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. There is a way that they needed to respond when that brother came back home. They needed to love him. For this, to, for this end, I also I write so that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Now listen to this. He says, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, 
for we're not ignorant of his devices or his schemes. I, I've used that verse before to talk about the spiritual battle and warfare that we're in, but that kind of paints a different picture, even when it comes to this idea of love and forgiveness and, and comforting that brother who has returned, that we have to do this because the devil would love for us to respond in the improper way. We demonstrate our love in a variety of ways. Love is something that we all must have. It is this commandment that the disciples had heard from the beginning. It was a commandment that they needed to be reminded of over and over again. And so do we. And so I want to conclude by asking, do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? I know that we do. But let's make sure that we don't just say it, but that we also prove it by our actions. We prove it by praying for one another. We prove it by forgiving one another. We prove it by tolerating one another. We prove it by, by assisting one another, even when, even when we come short of the glory of God. We do it by helping one another so that we can be in heaven one day. Do you love God? This should be our mindset if we do. And if we love God, we're going to keep his commandments. And this is a commandment, that we love one another. This is what it's going to take for us to have one heart and one soul. I really appreciate your attention this morning. Thank you for your attention as we study something very important. Let's love one another. And for those who may not be in Jesus Christ, let me just say this real quickly here. Do you love God? He's demonstrated how much he loves you. If you love him, will you keep his commandments by turning away from your sin and by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? He's waiting for you. If that is you, come now as we stand and as we sing.